0: more, more of my heart. Father, we thank you. We ask that you accept our worship this morning, and that you accept our praise. We'll give it all to you today, knowing that you deserve much more. Your word says, there's no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his brother. And so, Father, we Acknowledge this morning that you gave your all. You gave your all when you sent your son. You deserve all of our heart. We cannot outgive you, but we know you deserve more. We ask for grace to give more. More of our time. More words of affirmation in worship and in praise of your name. More of gratitude and more of generosity. We thank you and we praise you. Lord, we ask this morning that you breathe upon your word and charge it with power. Let it minister grace to every hearer, spirit of the living God. Quicken our hearts this morning to receive the incorruptible seed of your word. Let it find a place in every heart. We thank you because... This morning our hearts are open. We stand against every distraction. And we declare grace to embrace the truth of your word this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because you're touching our lives and transforming our hearts. Thank you for healings in this service. And thank you for mighty deliverances. We bless your name. In Jesus' precious name. Somebody say, "Believing, in Amen. One more time this morning, let's celebrate Jesus. Put your hands together. Let's celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is deserving of more, and one of the things that he deserves is your attention, your attention, and your time in the place of worship, and the place of gratitude to acknowledge him as a giver of all good gifts. Glory be to Jesus. Welcome to church this morning. Again, uh, for all of us who are able to make it down to pieces conference center and everyone logging on online to join the service Um, I'll ask that you just put distractions away so that we can uh, you can join us in this service I know you're not able to come um, live because of uh, the rain Uh, the rain has started many of us are praying for it right the heat has been tremendous. Tremendous is a good word. <laughs> Unbearable is the right word. Praise God. <laughs> the heat has been something else. Um, but lo and behold, the rain visited us on a Sunday morning. In every situation, we we'll give thanks. Yeah. So if you were beaten by the rain coming into the service this morning, just give Thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Uh, I know some of us are in wet clothing. Give thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Let nothing distract you. All right. It's part of the rain. Yeah. Very ready. <laughs> That's some, some serious thunder. Yeah. We thank God. I said we thank God. Somebody's still afraid. <laughs> it's part of the package. Yeah. So, thank God that we don't have snow. Yeah. Because my my sister sent me some pictures in the course of the week. Um, She lives in Canada. And when I saw those pictures, I thank God for rain. (laughs) Some things are better managed than the other. Praise God. Instead of getting wet this morning for snow you had on your body, the story may be different. Praise God. So welcome to church this morning. and I trust God that the teaching and the preaching of God's word this morning will touch your heart and uh, yield a change and a transformation in Jesus' precious name. So like I said, for all of us watching from home, from our offices, wherever you may be this morning, uh, please put distractions away from you. Uh, let's, let's focus on the word. You may be hearing some sound, some stuff. It's thunder because there's a uh, thunderstorm here in Lagos this morning. From wherever you're watching from, just know that um, God is with us here and is with you where you are. Praise God. I said praise God. All right, for all of our officials at the doors, I want us to keep some measure of decorum at the doors as people come in. As uh, I'm I'm going into the ward right now, I need minimal distraction. So protocol officers, please keep an eye on people as they come in. Let's direct them. Um, I know the rain kept a lot of people away and people will still be coming in as we take the word this morning. But as people come in, please let's direct them to their proper seats and keep um, a low tone as we do that so that we don't distract other people. Are we ready for God's word this morning? All right. Um, By now, those of us who have been here for long know that um, your pastor's personality type is the one that is easily distracted, Um, INSFP or something, which which one is mine, I'm trying to remember, but I'm easily distracted, so if I'm distracted in the midst of teaching this morning, I will tell you, and then we'll continue, is that okay? okay? I just wanted to know, yeah. Well, whether I tell you or not, you will know. Yeah, you will know. Praise God. I said, Praise God. So we started a teaching series last Sunday, uh, which will take us a few weeks, a couple of weeks, that we titled "The Liberal Soul." Twenty eighteen for us, God said, is making us stronger. One of the areas where He wants to make us stronger is in generosity. The generosity. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five. It says, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered back himself. Uh, One of the areas, the great areas, where we need to seek to develop strength is in the area of generosity or liberality. Generosity or liberality. God wants to give me strength to be a generous soul a generous being, praise God. I said, God wants to give me strength to be a generous person. Generous to God and generous to man. That's God's agenda for me. And I need to receive grace and strength to be that liberal soul, that generous person that God wants me to be. You know that grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ has made available to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But the truth is that faith gives access to what grace has provided. And one of the ways by which I walk by faith is when I obey certain principles as I live. And one of that is to be a generous soul. To be a generous soul. Let me start out this morning uh, with an analogy that I I have. Um, Growing up, I mean... Living with my kids while they were still younger, much younger. My first daughter is a teenager now. While they were still younger, I realized that one of the ways by which we were able to communicate to them what belongs to them is to give them stuff and say, this is yours. This is yours. They are just, they are just two years you know, apart. So a lot of the time, and they're both girls, a lot of the time we we'll buy stuff and we we'll, we'll, we'll have to say, I tell my wife, let's buy two different colors so that I don't have to go through this is yours and this is yours or put a mark on it so that you know your own, you know your own. Yeah. So whether it's toys or uh, water bottle, you know, when a when, when child is going to school for the first time, you give them their water bottles and other personal effect and you probably try to mark it and tell them, you need, see this is color red. This one is your own. So when they get to school and somebody tries to grab that, what do they say? What do they say? It's mine. It's mine. Yeah. And uh, when they're still trying to talk, they say, my own. <laughs> Am I saying the truth? Yeah. And when somebody grabs it, what, they, they cry. And they cry saying, that's my own. In fact, some of them will grab two. You need a teacher to come and say, no, that second one is not yours. It belongs to somebody else. Am I saying the truth? That's a good thing about the word mine. Mine. That which belongs to me, mine. It connotes a sense, it gives a sense of identity. That I'm now starting to have something that belongs to me. At the same time, it gives a sense of boundary. That that which belongs to me cannot belong to you at the same time. So I hold my hold, you hold your own. And when you grab my own, I have the right to request for it. And if you won't give me easily, I can grab both of you, both the thing and you, and separate you, and then take my own. If you see some young uh, energetic boys when they grab, (laughs) when they grab, you know, some other kids and then try to remove or take away that which belongs to them from them, you see that this one, when he grows up, uh, uh, may become, may be a very strong fighter. Praise God. That's the sense that it gives. The only issue is this as we try to educate our kids to give them a sense of identity and a sense of responsibility for that which belongs to them we stand the risk of giving them a sense of ownership that would then that may grow into selfishness to the point that they have this sense of ownership and responsibility for that which belongs to them so much that they are unwilling to share am i saying the truth so that anybody touches what belongs to them and say, hey, it's my own. Leave it. Don't touch. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. This grows with us as we get into adulthood that we'll start to have a strong sense of ownership for that which belongs to us that we are misplaced in our attitude and mentality and mindset about Stewardship. This morning, I'm sharing on what I've titled New Testament giving. New Testament giving. And I'm going to talk about, about three things. And the first one I'm starting with is stewardship. Stewardship. The foundational basic understanding of New Testament giving, according to the Word of God, the Bible, is first and foremost, that every believer must understand that stewardship is part of discipleship i cannot say i'm a disciple of jesus except i'm willing to develop a sense of stewardship what gives you the presence of mind to be a disciple and grow in discipleship to become a fully devoted follower of jesus christ is that you have a sense of stewardship 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 is extremely important so Sewership principle simply says, all that I am and all that I have belong to God. Belong to God. In fact, the truth is that all that you have, you hold in trust for God. That's the stewardship principle. All that I am, all that I have, they belong to God. I hold in trust for God. I hold in trust for God. The moment a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, is having a different attitude towards possession and resources that is over and above or against the mindset of stewardship, that disciple, that follower of Jesus, can no longer uh, um, live as a disciple the way Christ Wants us to live as a disciple. All through the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, Jesus underscores the importance of a stewardship mindset. The apostles also underscored that same mindset with several writings, and I'm just going to take us through a few. Stewardship mindset. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, when you read from verse 1 and 2, Paul writing about himself and his co Apollos, to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewardship that a man be found faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. That a man be found faithful. It's required in stewardship that a man be found faithful. And when you go further to verse 7, then he confronted the church because this was a letter to a church said, so this is how you should see us. See us as stewards of the mysteries of Christ. And for you, this is how you should think. Verse 7. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive, receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So Paul, confronting the church at Corinth, and by implication, all of us who are New Testament believers said we should have a stewardship mindset and we should know that all that we have, we have received. We have received. We have received. We have received. All that we have, we have received. The Apostle Peter was writing in 1 Peter chapter 4, when you read from verse 10, he said, as each one has received, see that word again, received. As each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God say the word receive and steward receive and steward yeah as each one has received a gift minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God gifts there connote you know anything that you 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 didn't work for yeah that's given to you And that means that some people may also think, but what about what I worked for? (laughs) What I worked for. Uh, um, Your job is a resource. A means by which you are resourced with income. The source, there's only one source. (laughs) That's God. You cannot over-focus on the resource and lose focus of the source. Because the source is the one that creates resources for you. Are you still with me this morning? And that's where we receive from. So John was talking about this when he talked about Jesus, because they were asking him questions about Jesus. Oh, you know, Zabus came, oh, Jesus, oh, the man that you baptize has gone to the other side of Jordan and is now baptizing people, and everybody's following him, and blah blah blah. And when John will respond in, in John chapter three and verse twenty-seven, John three and twenty-seven, his response you know was amazing. He responded out of understanding. Out of understanding, can you, can you put up for me, John 3 and 7, all right? Uh, it, it says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from above. I know there's no word like this, but I love to say this, that blessings and resources in the kingdom of God is not an achievement, it's a receivement. Yeah. <laughs> it's a receivement. Everything that we do in terms of work and all that, they open us up open us up to be able to receive. Yeah. To be able to receive. James chapter 1, I think verse 17, it says uh, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? I said it's from where? I said it's from above, from the Father of light Comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadows of turning. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. From above. Not from abroad. Above. Yeah. Because most Nigerians think it's from abroad. That's why they want to relocate. Yeah. (laughs) Except God is leading you like he led Abraham in Genesis 12 and said, come out of your people and go to a place that I will show you. If you go, you're on your own. On your own. The fact that the border of a country has been opened does not mean everybody that passed through the border will prosper. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody here this morning. You need to pray about it a little more yeah, before you make a decision. In the book of Ruth, you read about uh, Ruth, I mean, Naomi and all, all that story. You read about Naomi. yeah, And Elimelech, they left Bethlehem and went to Moab. because the border of Moab was open. Think about it very well. Elimelech lost his life there. His two sons also died. Ruth became, I mean, Ruth became a widow. Naomi also became a widow. And then saints came back to Naomi and says, let's go back to Bethlehem, the place of bread. And they went back there. And destiny started to shape up. Ruth met uh, uh, Boaz. And that was how destiny started to shape up. The king's man redeemer came and redeemed Ruth. Ruth became the the, the bride of the richest man in in town. Naomi became the mother-in-law of the big boy of the town. And things just changed. And all through that lineage, Jesus came. Yeah. From Boaz, you know, to Obed and all that. And to the lineage of David and all the way down. Glory be to Jesus. So we follow God. We don't follow, you know, fads or what's going on. Because every good gift and every perfect gift, and um, that was in my note. I know I went through that route for somebody here to just think and pray through something again very, very well. Don't uproot yourself from where God has planted you. If your destiny is to be fulfilled in Nigeria, don't go somewhere else. Yeah, don't go somewhere else. Don't go somewhere. And if you are watching online, you are already where you are not supposed to be. Come back home. Yeah, come back home. Come back. It's never too late. It's never too late. There's a reason why apples don't grow in Lagos. If you're an apple, your destiny cannot be fulfilled in Lagos. You have to go to the temperate region. At the same time, if you're a baluma, you know a balumo. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me this morning, but it's a good thing. If you're know, you watching online, what's a balumo? African cherry, yeah, that's what they call it, African cherry. African cherry is African. That's why it's not called European cherry. A baluma can only grow around here. If you take it to Canada, it will be destroyed. Yeah, it cannot sprout. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm speaking to somebody this morning from my spirit. This is not on my note. You need to be careful that you don't move like evil spirits. Just move. Yeah. (laughs) You need to be careful. I'm saying it again. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm definitely speaking to somebody because I'm hooked here now. I can't move forward. And it's because of somebody. Yeah. I'm speaking to somebody this morning, you need to be careful. Don't uproot yourself. Is there that are planted in the house of God that will flourish in the courts of our God? There's a place of planting. And the metaphor used all through the scripture for believers, trees, trees. Yeah. We are trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. So that means God has to plant you. Yeah. So He plants us in cities, in churches, in nations, in areas of businesses. So, we don't, you know, facilitate and just do anyhow. So, you need to seek to be led by the Spirit. The word is enough for the wise. Let me move on with my message. Yeah. So, whether you are here or you are watching online, the word is enough for the wise. Pray. Ask God questions. Let peace settle in your heart before you make such decisions. Praise God. So, every perfect gift and every good gift is from above. It's from above. God is the one that gives gifts. A stewardship mindset says, I am not the owner. I'm only the steward. I'm not the owner. I am the steward. And all through the Bible, you see different parables of Jesus about stewardship. The parable of the talent, for instance, is all about being a steward. The profession of accounting is a foundational profession for stewardship. That's why an organization will, will, you know, will do the P&L and balance it and produce you know, a financial report is, is is to be accountable as a steward, knowing that everyone running the organization is running it as steward. Yeah. So we give account. In type of talent, the man was going He gave five to this, two to this, and one to that. And when he returns, he said, come and give an account of your stewardship. Be accountable. Come and give an account of your stewardship. And the one that has five came and said, I've produced five more. And said, you are a faithful servant. You have been faithful by a little. More shall be added unto you. You know, and all that. And the one who did not do anything about it said, even the one that he has shall be taken away from me." So, that sense of accountability, knowing that I work for the money, but many people work much more. They don't have anything to show for it. Yeah. It's beyond sense. It's grace. <laughs> are you sitting with me this morning? Yeah. It's beyond sense. You can't be celebrating your sense. You are not the only person that has sense. Some people are smarter than you. And they don't command the kind of resource that you command. It's a receivement. Allow me this morning. Yeah, yeah. You receive. The Bible says don't behave as if you did not receive. And now carry yourself as if you know, the richest man in Africa. Don't behave as if you did not receive. God got angry. One of the parables of Jesus, again on stewardship. The parable of the rich fool. God got angry with this man, not because he was rich, but because he lacked stewardship mindset. Look at the 12, when you read from, from uh, verse 16 down to 21. It says, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying, you see that mind, you know where I started from? That mindset of my own. This was exactly what this guy demonstrated and God got angry with him. Yeah. So the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully and he talked to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crop? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my bands and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, everything is mine, mine, mine. All the goods, mine. The bands, mine. There was no mention of God as the source. Neither was there a mention of God as the one that he could share with in all this equation. Neither God or man featured. Everything was about him. The sense of ownership would drive you towards greed and selfishness. A sense of stewardship will bring a sense of accountability, responsibility, and humility with what you have. And that's what yields generosity. I you to say with me this morning. Yeah, that's what yields generosity. That's what yields generosity. But a sense of ownership will drive you towards selfishness and greed. Get all you can, can it, and sit on the can. Yeah. That's, that's what the sense of ownership will give you. And then get into competition with other people. My car is bigger than yours. My house is bigger. Yeah, I just bought an estate. Yeah, that would say, I just bought an island. He <laughs> says, uh, we're starting a new city. Yeah, I'm building a city. Yeah, that's our competition, you know, because you, you, it, when your sense of identity is tied to what you own, you are in trouble. <laughs> For this rich fool, God got angry with him because his sense of identity wasn't tied to God but it's possession. It's possession. So, says, uh, out, uh, uh, so you have, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, fool, or foolish. Yeah, that's what God said to him. God did not say that because he was rich. God said that because he, he lacked a stewardship mindset. Fool, God called him. This night, your your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be which you have provided? The Bible says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Yeah, that's the main thing there. Who laid up treasure for himself, but is not rich towards God. It's not rich towards God. Last Sunday, I was teaching about the kingdom agenda. If you believe that you have received, How come it can be so difficult for you to participate in the kingdom agenda by resourcing it? Yeah. Because that's what a good steward will do. That's what a good steward will do. Can you help me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, I'm a steward. I'm not the owner. Say, I'm holding it in trust for God. Yeah. Even a man that is not religious but very wealthy, like Bill Gates, had enough sense to say, I'm holding it in trust for the poor people of the earth. October 2016, I think Mr. Gates was visiting the United Kingdom. If you still Google it, Daily Mail, October, I can't remember whether it was October 16 or so, you see it is online there, all the interviews that he granted. He granted a live interview. That was the day he, he mentioned that, as at that time it was worth 70 billion pounds. Yeah, in pound styling, 70 billion, yeah and he said he was not leaving the money for his children. That was the first time he said it openly. It's online. You watch it. He said his three children, he has two daughters and a boy, that the legacy he's giving them is good education. Yeah, good education, and um, they will get something that will make them not to be poor off. That was his exact word, poor off. But that this big one, this 70 billion, mm, yeah, it's going to go into resourcing humanity. That's a man that is not even religious. He had that sense. For those of us who are disciples of Christ, it's very clear, which is the greatest of all the commandments love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. We resource the kingdom and we resource humanity. What shall he profit a man if he loses his soul? Yeah, if he gains the old world and loses his soul. So we can do charitable deeds if the gospel is not preached. If you are not resourcing the church, the kingdom of God, people live better, but they may end up in hell. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Jesus said, love the Lord your God, be a part of kingdom agenda, love your neighbor as yourself. So we resource kingdom, we do charitable deeds, we take care of ourselves. That's a good steward. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? Yeah. Last Sunday I was talking about when self-agenda is over and above kingdom agenda. That's when your Gucci bag it's much more expensive than all the tithe you paid in one year. Yeah. Fool. Hard word, but I have to say it. Yeah. Because that's what the Bible calls such people. I was sitting here on Wednesday. There were many foolish things that I listed. And we're saying fool together. All the fool and the wise, all of us are saying it together. So that we will cover our shame. Yeah. Because that's what the scripture says about that. That's what the scripture says about that. We, we need to be careful that we are really good stewards. Good stewards for the manifold grace of God. Glory be to Jesus. All right. Next thing I want to talk about is one principal reason that has pervaded the atmosphere about the reason why Christians should shy away from proportional giving, which we call tithing. Yeah. And the main argument is that we are not under the law. And tithing is law. Let's get into it. Common reason for not giving or not tithing. We are not under the law. We need to understand the relationship between the Old and the New Testament. The law was to help the people get the benefit of God's covenant with Abraham. So let me lay a premise. A people had been in captivity in Egypt Slavery, that's the word, for 430 years. Generations upon generations. Within 430 years, you have generations. Yeah. Five to six generations. Their DNA had, you know, changed. Slavery was now part of their DNA. It affected how they thought and how they lived. They understood only one thing. Instructions and laws. A slave... Doesn't use discretion. Sons take responsibility. Slaves live by order. Am I saying the truth? Yes. Yeah. A son knows that this is my father's house. If something has to be here, a slave waits for instruction. Because if you carry it before you are told, you can be killed for it. Yeah. So a slave waits for instruction. When God will start to deal with them, as they left Egypt, he started to give them laws. The man that is sent to them, Moses, God gave Moses first the Ten Commandments and then gave him many other laws that they have to follow. through Leviticus. I was doing that about three weeks ago. See, many laws that the children of Israel are to follow. We call it the Old Testament. Yeah. Mainly for biological Jews who went through slavery in Egypt. And they lived like that for many years. So the law compelled, so the Old Testament, sorry, the, the Old Testament, God made laws to give the people access to the blessing of Abraham, like I said. And the law compelled them to give or else there were consequences. They will be cut off from the blessings of God. God wanted to bless them because he promised Abraham. And he said, these people only understand one language instruction and compulsion. You compel them. Yeah. And you deal with them if they don't do the right thing. So the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. In the New Testament, we are no longer slaves, we are sons. As sons, we take responsibility, we don't wait for instruction. I used to say we made this money. That's why we say we we are not living under the law. So in the New Testament, we are already required to take responsibility. And it means that responsibility is a step further from instruction. There are things that are not instructed or that is not legal or law. You are not bound to do that you do. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. If you're a true child of your father, you don't need anybody to put you under the law to say you have to do this for your father before you do it. Am I saying the truth? Somebody following me this morning. So, in the New Testament, all through the writings of Paul, we see Paul admonishing us and saying that, Fine, we are not under the law, but yet we are not lawless. There's a difference between grace and lawlessness. Many Christians will prefer lawlessness under the guise of we are under grace. <laughs> Paul writing somewhere said, Shall we continue in, in sin that grace may abound? That's lawlessness, not grace. Galatians chapter 4, when you read from verse 1. Galatians 4 and verse 1. Paul writing, he said. What I said now, I say that the hair, as long as a child, does not differ from a slave. See, it was comparing a young child to a slave because a young child needs instruction, just like a slave. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, we you have a child that doesn't know his left from his right, you need to give instruction. You need to compare, literally, like you do to a slave. Somebody still following me today? does not differ from a slave, though his master of all. But under guardians and stewards until the appointed time by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we are now adopted as sons. Verse 6. And because you are sons, God sent forth, what? The spirit, the spirit of a son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Verse 7 says, therefore, you are no longer slaves, a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. What am I saying this morning? In the Old Testament, they knew God as Yahweh. The man of war. Consuming fire. You mess around, deals with you. In the New Testament, we know him as Abba Father. Abba Father. Not the consuming fire. That doesn't change the fire that he can consume. Yeah. He has only chosen that he will not consume his own. Yeah. But we know him not as Yahweh, essentially. He's still Yahweh, but we have the spirit of adoption, so we call him Abba Father, Daddy. That's what it means. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. So we are not going to wait for him to order us around as slaves. We're going to take responsibility as his son. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Say better, amen, somebody. Amen. Now, the presence of grace does not nullify. The principles that the law is supposed to fulfill. Can I give you an example of what I'm talking about? All of us here this morning had our bath before we came to church. And we we'll brush our teeth. Am I saying the truth? Did anybody read of Nigeria to you before you brush your teeth? In the same vein, if you have little kids, you have to compare them to brush their teeth. And maybe do inspection. So come, come, my Let me see. Hey, come and brush your teeth. It's, it's, it's you have to be compelled. That was Old Testament. Compulsion. In the New Testament, there's no compulsion. We have the spirit. The spirit, the Bible says, in Romans chapter 8, when you read from verse 15 and 16, bears witness that we, with our spirit, that we are children of God. Yeah. Romans 8 and 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage. That's in the Old Testament. Bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out Abba, Father, Daddy. See it again. Yeah. That's how we relate to God. And verse 16 says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the spirit of God is what was lacking in the Old Testament. They didn't have the indwelling presence of the spirit. They lacked the capacity to make the right choices. In the New Testament, by the Holy Ghost, Except we become recalcitrant. By the Holy Ghost, we know what to do. I have not seen, or hear heard, neither has he entered into the heart of man, the things that God has revealed to them that love him. But with things he has to revealed to us by his spirit. Because the spirit searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. So we have the spirit of God. And by the spirit of God, we can understand principles. Do you know in the Old Testament, if you call a regular Jew and say, come, What is the meaning of the law of Sabbath? You walk six days and rest on the seventh. Ah, it's because God will be angry with us if we walk on the seventh day. Ah, God will be angry with you. Jesus came and looked at them. Ah. Is the Sabbath made for man or man for Sabbath? You people, ah, now ah, you don't have the spirit, so you don't understand this thing. That there's an underlining principle for Sabbath, it's for man, it's not the other way around. The only source Sabbath from God will kill you if you walk on the seventh day. They didn't know that God is saying, I want you to last long. This machine cannot work consistently. You rest it. In the Old Testament, he compelled them by law to rest on Sabbath day. In the New Testament, it's left for us to use common sense. That if you, are, if you don't rest, you will be laid to rest. It's very simple. Yeah. If you don't rest, you'll be laid to rest. And the Holy Spirit will bearing witness with your spirit. You are pushing yourself too much. Yeah. Yeah. You are pushing. The Holy Spirit will bearing witness with your spirit. Like I was saying before, there's no, in the Old Testament, there's a way we should come into service this morning. You have to come very clean. Yeah. It's an assumption that all of us had our bath before we came. But because we are all adults, we believe. But you know, this morning, if I refuse to brush my teeth before I came, as I'm speaking now, the aroma of his presence will already be getting close to you there, where you are. You understand what I'm saying? And you'll be wondering, Pastor, don't come closer. Don't come closer. And then I'll be coming closer. You understand? And I'll be talking. I'll be pleading the blood of Jesus. And if you're first-time guest here, you say, maybe I won't come to this church again. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because you'll be dealing with a stench. There is no action or inaction that were excused from its consequence. Whether under the law or under grace. The difference is that grace comes with the understanding of the truth. Let me go a little further. There's always an underlining principle for every law in the Bible. That's why Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law. There's always an underlining principle. Grace does not preclude us from the consequences of our actions. It guarantees forgiveness but doesn't preclude us from the consequences of our action. Some of us have driven in countries before where there's proper order, very orderly society. You get to certain road junctions where there are no street lights and you see real human beings drive to the junction, stop completely, and watch who came first, then they will go. You would think that they program them as they will be going. Wait for this one, go, go, because everybody will stop first. You understand? The street light is the law. When you are a New Testament Christian, you do need the street light, you have internal regulator. You get to a road junction, you stop. You watch who came before you, you allow them to go, and then they go. You try it in Lagos. And that's part of what's affecting us. Because we're not even used to orderly society. Yeah, and the rule of law. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And many Christians, whether African or you know non Africans, we struggle to take responsibility for God's kingdom and obey principles. New Testament Christianity is not compulsion, but it's principle based. We are not under the law, but grace does not exist alone. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Grace does not exist alone. So the Bible talks about Jesus in John chapter 1 and verse 17. Can you put that up for me? Go to verse 16 first. And of of his fullness we have received grace for grace verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and what? Grace and what? Came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In verse 14, he said, we we'll beheld this glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeah. And the word became flesh and dwells amongst us. And we we'll beheld this glory The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. The moment you separate grace and truth, you are preaching half truth. Truth speaks of principles to live by. Yeah. Grace, Jesus, the law came through Moses. John 1 and 17. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If you don't want to be a lawless Christian... You don't over-leverage grace to the detriment of truth. You always need to ask the question: what is the underlining principle? Underlining principle. Underlining principle that we're dealing with here. When it comes to tithing or giving, the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. Yeah. It shows us the underlying principle. In Malachi chapter 1, for instance, God was, you know, talking to them. Before you even get to chapter 3, where he was talking about tithe, he said, If I'm your governor, where's my honor? Yeah. If I'm your father, where's my honor? Because your governors, you won't give this kind of thing you are giving to your governor. So why will you bring this to me? The underlying principle is not 10% tithe. First and foremost is the principle of honor. That we honor God with that which he has given to us. That's first and foremost the underlying principle. That's first and foremost. So, honor God. Honor your neighbor. They asked Jesus, okay, all this plenty commandments, which is the greatest of all the commandments, Luke 10 and 27. Said it, it's very simple. Honor the Lord your God with all your heart, and then love him with all your heart, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And there's one thing about love. So, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said one thing. And he said to them, you have answered rightly. And do this, and you will leave. In fact, uh, um, the man asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus then explained, whoever you have the power to do something for. Now, we need to understand, especially this month of love, that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. There are many motives for giving. But if you love, you will give. That one is fundamental. Yeah. So we can't claim that we love God. Our second guessing, whether it's 10% or 20% or 5% or 0%. No. That love is not real. Yeah. It's not real. And many other things have taken its place in our hearts. And that's what God wants to correct in your life and in my life this season. So we love God. We love our neighbor we love ourselves. That's a good steward. Yeah. You have love in your heart for other people. You help and resource them when the need arises. And it's not just about you. It's not just about you. Some people give the excuse, when I was in trouble, nobody helped me. Do you want to continue that trend? Yeah. Now that you have the power to help somebody else, you don't want to help. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Glory be to Jesus. Let me wrap this all up. The attitude that we should embrace New Testament attitude to giving. New Testament attitude to giving. One is that you give generously. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Give generously. Give generously. But as I say, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give. As he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly as of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you have a sufficiency, always having sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. May have an abundance for every good work. Glory be to Jesus. I said, Glory be to Jesus. So, we give generously, we give proportionally. We give proportionally. Titan being the long-established benchmark in scriptures. At least match it. And with time, as God blesses you, aim to surpass it. There's a man by the name Algie Little-New. I've shared his story before. He was one of the first American millionaires of his days. I think one of the first guys ever to ever fly a private jet in human race. This man, his company built health-moving equipment that started the revolution in America to build the super-highways that they have today. History has it that this man happened to be a Christian. You can Google him. R.G. Little New, that's his name. Yeah. He still has institutions named after him today based on his His, uh, his trust. What he's been able to do with his money. When Aljilitunu was getting to the end of his life, just like what Bill Gates is doing now, Aljilitunu, I think towards the end of his life, was only spending or having access to like 5% of his income. Yeah. Everything was packed together to do charitable deeds. He sponsored missionaries from America to go all around the world with his money. Built institutions, yeah. Resourced the kingdom and resourced America. When you check the men that built America, R.G. Little News' name is one of them. I think 10 men that built America, something like that, there's a book like that. You see it there. It's a believer. He said, I will never have been able to tithe my first million if I didn't tithe my first dollar. Yeah, that's his own words, he started by distributing newspaper and get a stipend and started titling as a young child. Never stopped. And moved from titling 10%, which is just 10%, to proportional giving. At the time in his life, he was giving 50%. He said he would will, he will be you know, in his plane flying. This guy only read up to at 6 or something like that, like primary school. And he would get an idea and he will call his engineers to draw it that was how he created all the art-moving equipment. He did not go to technical school or engineering school. The people that went, he would tell them what to draw. They would draw it, and then they would manufacture it, and he was getting the job done. And it was just from his dream. Yeah. And he said it happens a lot after he has ta- given his tithe. <laughs> God is looking for people to entrust wealth to. Stop bragging because of one duplex. Or, that's not what we're talking about. It can, you know, that one can't do crusade. I don't, understand. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. Real wealth. You know that <laughs> just in the same way that the biggest companies in Africa will not sponsor crusade to Sudan. Sudan has been in war since. We have a missionary that we sponsor in this church. Yeah. It's not a member of this church. It's a missionary organization. Their focus is on Sudan. Last year, I wanted to go with them. I still plan to go one of these days. Southern Sudan, water. A company that sells liquor can make tons of money, but we will not give money for crusade in Southern Sudan. They can give money for humanitarian relief. But what about the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to salvation of souls? So if God is entrusting you With resources, then be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Because there's a need, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. So we give regularly. Apostle Paul writing in first Corinthians 16 1 and 2. He said, Don't 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 wait for me to come. First Corinthians 16 1 and 2. He said, Now concerning collections for the saints. As I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside storing up as he may prosper, that may there may be no need, or that there be no collection when I come. He said, Before I come, it's like saying before you leave home, wire your offering. Don't disturb me. When I Paul said, when I come, I want to teach. I don't want to do collection. Collect it before I come gather it together. Yeah. So, give compassionately. That's charitable giving. Give to the poor. Resource people around you. Open your eyes. Don't close your eyes when your neighbor's children have not gone to school. And school has resumed for one month. The least you can do is to ask, why are these children still at home? If it's one-fourth of the school fees, you can afford. Say, yeah. And then ask them to go to a church. Last year, we resourced close to 200 people, members of this church. Hospital bill, school fees, different things. Yeah. Ask them to approach. Ask them, do you go to a church? A good church. That's why we need more good churches. No churches where all the money, that and offering is going to the pastor's pocket. Yeah. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Every week in this church we get requests, Including this past week. Yeah. You know it's an embarrassment if I say, if you have ever received benevolence help in this church, stand up. I will never do that. But there are tons of people here who have been blessed by what you give. That's, a, that's a, a hospital not too far from here. Let's privilege people go there. Come here, we we'll send them there. They send their bill at the end of every month. we we'll cover it. Yeah. What's the name of that hospital? Remind me again. Huh? St. Quisitos. Yeah, it's around here. We don't talk about everything we do because I know in the mind of some people, they say, ah, a lot of people come to this church. These people are making money. We <laughs> didn't come to ministry for money. I said in the last service, if it's about money, you know, I said last Sunday too, if it's about money, I won't be a pastor. I have sense. I know how to make money. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. And if it's about being enlightened, I'm enlightened. I went to school. Yeah. There are many things I can do with my life, including, see, Pastor TJ sitting here, MBA from Cranfield School of Management. Yeah. Fellow of the Nigerian Institute of Chartered Accountants. I'm telling you, I'm, I can boast about him. Yeah. Before he came full-time ministry, he was at AGM level in his bank. So it's not, we're not gathering here to play games. If it's about what to do with our life, we know what to do with our lives. Yeah. yeah. And we'll never beg you for money because you didn't call us. God called us. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a church of charlatan pastors, of people who don't know how to manage the resources. Like I said last Sunday, even in seven years we have been able to do what we have done here, you should trust us the more. Yeah, so trust us. The more I'm saying that, so you don't give any excuse for not giving. You know, see, I'm not boasting. I'm trying to help somebody's faith. That here we do our best to manage the resources. I've only said it to the the leaders before. This is probably like the fourth year. The trustees of this church assigned my allowance. They have scaled it up severally but the Holy Spirit did not allow me to take it. I've earned the same monthly allowance for the last four years. Four years. I'm on my fourth year. At the beginning of this, I asked God, so am I released for this thing? I see I've not gotten it. Go ahead. Yeah. My training is different from your own because you don't know the plan of God for me. You only him know. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. But the truth is that God has helped me to deal with Greed. So that God's money is different from my own. And I don't look to church members for survival. God has used many people here to bless me before. He has even moved to a new realm now. People that are not members of this church. Yeah. I don't know. There's one, one man that has been sending me dollars. He's not a member of this church. Yeah. And he's been consistent now. The first two months of this year. And I'm enjoying it. I have never met him before. Obviously, God spoke to him. It's an arrangement between us and God. It has nothing to do with this church. If God tells me today to move somewhere else, I'm gone. Yeah? There are many people here who can pastor this church. I'm gone. I have zero emotional attachment when it comes to resources to this church. I can survive without... So far, God is with me. I'm okay. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's a privilege for you to bless a pastor, especially in this kind of church. We don't have pillars. Even our building doesn't have pillars. So, that, 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 I mean, nobody can say I'm the pillar of this church. Without me, this church cannot survive. Nothing like that. Nothing. Yeah. We've never had a private finance meeting with some people to say if you don't bring the money, we can't do service next Sunday. Never. Since we started. Never. I've never discussed my personal need with any member of this church. Anybody, if you have, if I have, stand up, tell me. <laughs> yeah, that I discuss my personal and I say, come and give me money. That's what we're saying. When you are resourced enough by your church, you bless the church. If your pastors are making an impact in your life. You bless them back in return. There's nothing about, Paul said, God is not mocked. Whatever is my soul. That shall it. He said, if we have taught you in the word, he said, let him that is, that is taught in the word communicate with him that teaches in all good things. Now, he said, share, communicate with him in all good things, but not by compulsion. Be led by the Spirit. Because in New Testament, we take responsibility. We are not compelled. So nobody's compelling anybody to pay tithe." But it's irresponsible Christianity, lackluster Christianity, for you to think that you are going to do the bare minimum. So you come into a service, sit under AC like this, <laughs> and put one small money in the envelope to say, just so that God will not be angry with me. You are a baby. You are not only a baby, you are a slave to money. Simple. You are a slave to money. You are no longer sending money on errand. Money is the one sending you on errand. Yeah, you can enter a trailer because of money. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's supposed to be the other way around. Glory be to Jesus. Somebody say after me today, say I'm a steward. I'm not the owner. So I have a stewardship mindset. Say God's grace upon my life to live a generous life. To lead a generous life. Say I'm a liberal soul. I give freely. Say money is not my master. I will master money. Greed shall not be a part of my life. I receive grace this month to be a lover of God and a lover of humanity so I will resource kingdom agenda and I will help the needy around me see as long as I'm in Nigeria Nigeria will not remain the same say I will be faithful with my tithes and I will pay my taxes I'll say it again say I will pay my taxes as long as I'm in this nation this nation will be better for it and the kingdom of God will progress lift your two hands to Jesus and bless him bless him, bless him this morning 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 morning and appreciate him bless him this morning and appreciate him Lord give us a heart that pants after you destroy the hold of greed over our hearts Let the spirit of mammon not take us away from your kingdom. Help us to focus on the help that comes only from you.